0: for joining me every sunday morning at 11 here on 88 7 fm wluw got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid go to the loyola phoenix nick schultz i know sister gene pretty well i think he's the sports editor there. he is oh, he's right? a sports he's editor great. sports, great. Yeah. sports columnist sports writers and uh and i'd be lying if i said i wasn't watching baseball in class Nick Schultz, who is a a rising star in the profession. Our guy Nick Schultz covers Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself (laughs) and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Good morning. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 887 FM WLUW Chicago Sound Alliance. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Great to be back here for another week with you. It is rainy and gloomy down here where I live. I don't know how it is in the city because I'm broadcasting from my dad's office today. My brother has the garage for some stuff he's doing. So I'm back where I've been for the last few weeks, and we have a lot to talk about today. No guest this week. I was going to try to line one up, but it just would have been too short notice because the Chicago Bears have mastered the art of the Friday news dump on a holiday weekend. In case you didn't hear, Mitch Trubisky is starting for the Bears next week against the Lions. Can you believe we're a week away from football season? It's crazy to think about just with everything with COVID-19 and the quarantine and everything reopening and something shutting back down and sports being gone and now coming back. Football is back next week. The Bears start the season against the Lions at noon next week in Detroit. I know I'm excited to watch football. I know the quarterback situation has been a hot topic of conversation all offseason, but now we'll see if it pays off because Adam Schefter broke on Friday night at 6.30 that Mitch Trubisky is going to start for the Bears week one. And I'm going to get into the quarterback competition itself, what it means, my thoughts on it. Also, I'm going to talk about Over-unders for this season because I saw the win total over-unders for the Bears on Bovada, Vegas odds. Also, we'll preview the season a little bit. Talk about some of the roster moves the Bears have made the last few days because it's cut season. So, a couple guys got cut. That surprised me. Uh, The Bears also added defensive line depth today, and I'll get into that as well. Also, a lot of baseball talk ahead. The Cubs, doubleheader lost to the Cardinals yesterday in their Little League tournament. Seven-inning doubleheaders yesterday, and there's another one today. So the lead is now two and a half games in the NL Central. The batting average with bases loaded is bad. The Cubs just can't seem to get clutch hits. I don't don't know what's going on. But I've got numbers to back it up, but it's not great. People are saying Ian Happ should be the MVP, or at least in conversation for the MVP. Not sure about that yet. That seems like a little bit of an overreaction. But he has been solid in the leadoff spot lately, which I didn't think I'd say. Meanwhile, Chris Bryant, who had been leading off until he got hurt, is struggling once again. And I'm going to dive into everything Cubs. Also, the White Sox, winners of seven of their last ten. They're on a three-game win streak right now. Luis Robert continues to just not seem human. It's really impressive stuff we're seeing from Luis Robert. Also, I have some more proof that Ricky Renteria might not be the guy. You've heard me say it definitely the last couple years. But especially lately, that I don't think Ricky Renteria is the guy to lead the Sox to the promised land, as I call it. And it just has to do with the overuse of Jimmy Cordero in the bullpen. So all that ahead. Also, some Bulls talk because I've got to fill an hour, so I figured we'll talk some Bulls. I told you my favorite for the draft, who I want them to pick. Now we're going to hear about who they're meeting with ahead of the draft. I've seen a couple names get thrown around that kind of surprise me. Also, Adrian Wojnarowski put out a report this past week about the coaching search because interviews are underway, which that's impressive that interviews are underway already. And he's got a lot of names listed. And the fact that it's from Woj means you can probably trust it. You can most likely trust it. Finally, on a national level, if we have some time, Steve Nash has been named the coach of the Nets, which I didn't think I'd say. I was damn near fell over when I heard that. I was working at the time and I had my headphones in because I was doing some side work and I heard on ESPN 1000 that Steve Nash is coaching the Nets and I thought it was a joke but I'll probably talk about that a little bit at the end if I have time but we got to get to the Bears because that's obviously the big story is that Matt Nagy has apparently named a quarterback even though he said he wouldn't publicly do it before week one and then he backtracked on that and said no it'll probably I just said it won't be this week because I, I heard the press conference, and he said it, w- it won't be this week. Uh, that's what, not what I meant. i want to clarify that, blah, blah, blah. I feel like he backtracked. But regardless, Friday night at 6.30 p.m. It's a holiday weekend because it's Labor Day tomorrow. I hope everyone's having a great Labor Day weekend. Friday night at 6.30, Adam Schefter of ESPN tweets this out. In a competitive battle, Bears are expected to name Mitchell Trubisky, the starting quarterback, source tells ESPN. It's due to his progression, leadership, and overall performance throughout camp. Nick Foles made decision difficult for Matt Nagy, but the team feels strong about its QBs. Okay, a couple things about this. First, I'm not saying I told you so. But I told you so. If you go back to last week's show, I told you Mitch was going to start. And I, saw, I heard people around the league, around the team, say they thought Foles could have an edge. They thought maybe he could pull ahead and maybe steal the starting job from Mitch. And I kind of fell into that. I thought maybe there was a chance, but I, I told you Mitch was going to start. And I'm not saying it's because of ability. It's because you have the front office that can't admit it was wrong. The front office blew this pick. It was a swing and a miss. You traded up for him when you could have had Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. Which I always say, you could have had Deshaun Watson. Because I personally had never heard of Patrick Mahomes until, was it last year or the year before, when he started going crazy for Kansas City. That was the first time I'd heard of Patrick Mahomes. So I always say, you could have had Deshaun Watson. And I always tell the story that I was in the dining hall the night of the draft, and I had the draft on my phone. And I heard the Bears are trading up, but I'm thinking, okay, they're going to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, okay, I like it. And then they draft Trubisky, and I go, really? Like, I wouldn't have traded up for Mitch Trubisky. And I'm I'm guessing I'm not alone in that sentiment now. But I told you he was going to start because the front office can't admit they blew the pick. And even last year, and I was trying to get the audio ready for my open, and it, it didn't work. But even last year in the press conference, end of the year, December 31st, Ryan Pace said, Mitch is our starter. And then they go out and trade for Nick Foles, which makes you wonder, like, is he the starter? And then you hear they decline Mitch's fifth-year option, and then you're really thinking, is he the starter? Well, this proves he is, at least for week one. And I gotta tell you, when when Schefter says the team feels strong about its QBs, I'm glad someone does, because I sure don't. I mean, when they traded for Nick Foles, my exact reaction was, Nick Foles? Really? I remember I was sitting on my couch. I saw the tweet and was, what? I, would, I, I, I wanted Cam Newton, and I know I'm not alone in that. And I'm not even a big Cam Newton fan. The only, the only reason I remotely like Cam Newton is because he won fantasy for me my senior year at high school. But they didn't go get Cam Newton. Instead, they traded for Nick Foles and his expensive contract. And Cam Newton signed for damn near nothing in New England and is their starting quarterback. Like come on, man. So don't tell me you feel strong about your QBs. Like I know Foles is he's a good backup, he's good off the bench. But it I don't feel strong about the quarterbacks. So Friday night was dominated by talk of Mitch's starting. I mean, it was, every, it was everything I was saying. I was laughing because I, I, when I first saw Schefter's tweet, I, I started just laughing. My parents thought I was crazy. They already do think I'm crazy, but they thought I was really crazy for just bursting out laughing. And I retweeted it with the video, J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man, when he's laughing and says, You serious? Because that's basically what I did. I was just cracking up at this because I didn't, I said they were going to do it. Like, I figured it'd be typical Bears, but I was really, really hoping I'd be wrong. And maybe it would light a fire under Mitch. And I retweeted it with that video and that was all night. We kept hearing, oh, the Bears are going back to Trubisky, Trubisky, Trubisky. And then on Saturday, I pick up a Chicago Sun-Times, because we do still get the Sun-Times down here at the grocery store. I don't, I don't subscribe to it. I know I should. But I pick it up at the grocery store when I can, especially the Sports Saturdays. And Patrick Finley, he's all over the Bears beat for the Sun-Times. And I saw this article that night. I think it was that night when it got posted online, and it was in the paper the next day was talking about the incumbent's advantage and how it's Mitch. Bears decide to stick with Trubisky as starting quarterback after competition with Foles that settled very little. And I thought this was a spot-on piece, and I highlighted some graphs in the middle that I'm going to read. So here's here's Pat Finley talking about this. To say Trubisky, quote-unquote, beat out Foles during camp would be a misnomer. Neither was sharp. The Bears had hoped one would pull away from the other, but it never happened. It's not clear-cut, Matt Nagy said on Wednesday. The Bears' self-described open competition was just that. Trubisky and Foles spent the preseason splitting reps precisely in half, ensuring each quarterback got the same number of throws on the same types of plays. After camp ended Thursday, Nagy began a quarterback conclave at Hallis Hall. Alongside offensive coordinator Bill Lazor, quarterback's coach John DiFilippo, passing game coordinator Dave Ragone, and other assistants, he examined every throw the quarterbacks made in practice. Coaches picked apart not only their accuracy, but the reasoning behind every decision. Foles received the benefit of the doubt in the room. Nagy, Laser, and DiFilippo had all coached him at previous stops. But Nagy hinted that history might not have as much sway when he offered Thursday that he'd never been a play caller with Foles as a starter. So those are, I've got a couple more I'm going to read too. But reading, reading this... There were no preseason games this year because of COVID-19. So everything was based on training camp, which, and Pat Pat Finley even wrote that it was a two-week sprint. Because that's what it was. It was a sprint to the end of training camp because they had no time. There were no preseason games. It was just get ready and go as fast as you can. This was not a typical training camp. And I know when they traded for Foles, they were planning on a full preseason, because at that time, we didn't realize how bad COVID-19 would be and what it would do for sports and everything. So things got kind of tossed around with the pandemic. That said, think about what I just said about the coaches that are in the room and how they've all worked with foals and they broke down every pass, every decision and the reason for every decision and the accuracy to me, that reads like it was Foles' job to lose in a way. I, I, I shouldn't say Foles' job to lose. Because Trubisky was the incumbent. And he started last year. Whether you like it or not, Mitch started last year. That's going to have a little sway. And Nick Foles doesn't exactly jump off the page. I'm sure I'm not alone in that sentiment. But reading that, it sounds like Foles had a, more of an advantage in a way. If they were just looking at it black and white. Now, we don't know what the passes were like. Because we weren't there. There was a, there were a handful of reporters there. And they couldn't even watch all the practice. So, we're going based off what they're telling us. So, I do believe that they all got in a room and watched film and broke down every snap and every pass, etc. But those graphs did not really give me a lot of confidence in their decision to pick Mitch. And the next graph is also pretty telling. Both Pace and Nagy said when they traded for Foles that the competition would make both quarterbacks better, but there was no evidence it did, and the Bears might actually have doomed themselves to the worst of both worlds, Not only did each quarterback fail to distinguish himself in camp, but Trubisky probably took fewer snaps than any other number one quarterback during the shortest, most abrupt preseason in modern NFL history. That feels like a recipe for failure, although Nagy said Wednesday that the influence one quarterback has on another isn't necessarily seen on the practice field. Again, this is where the shortened preseason hurts things. Because Pat's right. Mitch did not see as many passes as other QB1s. And I don't think this competition was very competitive in that they were two really good quarterbacks. And they looked really good. Because, I mean, Pat even said, to say Trubisky beat out Foles during camp would be a misnomer. Everything I had heard from Bears training camp, uh, like on the radio, in the newspapers, on TV was that it was very lackluster. It wasn't necessarily a good camp for either guy. And I think now we're seeing we're seeing more come out about it, especially in this article. Because like I said, you don't have two Pro Bowl quarterbacks here. Yes, Mitch played in a Pro Bowl. He was a sub for Jared Goff because Goff was playing in the Super Bowl but you don't have two perennial pro bowlers here. You have a career backup. I, call, I, I consider Nick Foles a career backup because that's what he was when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. He was Carson Wentz's backup. Wentz got hurt, Foles stepped in. That's where Nick Foles thrives. So you have a career backup in Nick Foles, and you have Trubisky, who I'm not calling him a bust just yet because this is year five. I want to see how he does in year five. I mean, he did have a 96.4 passer rating the year that he was named to the Pro Bowl to replace Jared Goff. The year of the double doink. Which I'm finally getting to the point where I can say that without cringing, by the way. And I've got more kicker thoughts in a second too, don't worry. But this quarterback competition did not feel like what it should have been because again, there were no preseason games and and Pat even wrote that Nagy said he was going to play the quarterbacks in the preseason which was a major change from the last couple years because Negi was always against playing starters in the preseason games. It worked out his first year. When they went, what was it, 13-3 and and made the playoffs? Yeah, it worked out. But last year when they went 8-8, and eh, didn't exactly work out that great. So this year he was going to change things, and obviously this is a weird year all around. And it's, it's out of everybody's control. But now the Bears have a, a big decision to make here. Yes, Mitch is the starter. How long is he the starter? I know my guy Gabe Mendoza on Twitter, he used to be on WOUW as Weekend Gabe, thinks he's going to be out week three. And, you know, I can't really disagree. And I know my friend Jonah Blatt, Loyola fans, known as the Bishop at basketball games. He, he messaged me on Twitter about 20 minutes before the show and said, how do you feel about the Bears not just owning that they messed up drafting Trubisky? Oh, trust me. I'm plenty ticked off that they're not owning it. Because they were wrong. You just got to admit it. And again, I cut him some slack on my homes. And that's just because I'd never heard of Patrick Mahomes. But I have been on the record saying, take Deshaun Watson. Who, by the way, just got paid. He just got paid big. You know who else just got paid big? Patrick Mahomes. Both this weekend, they signed big extensions. What's Mitchell Trubisky doing? Hey, he beat up Nick Foles for the starting quarterback job. Let's go, Mitch. This sucks. You know, and it wouldn't be so bad if we didn't see the the upside of Mitch Trubisky in 2018. We saw what he's capable of. And then last year, the regression was just unbelievable. So now, which Mitch are you going to get? Now, I know... Trubisky was dealing with injuries. He had to have his shoulder what, it was surgically repaired after last year because that kind of affected his mobility, which I don't doubt that. Don't get me wrong. But he's got he's to stay healthy then. Is the problem his health? Is the problem his talent? Is the problem his decision-making? Is it all of the above? Am I missing something? I'm not a big football guy. In, this, in the football guy terms. Like, I can't tell you a lot of the X's and O's. I can, get, I can get by. I can put on a good act. But I can't do that like I can with baseball or even basketball sometimes. But I, I don't know what the problem is with Trubisky. I can't, he's got to be in his head if it's his health. Because if it's in his head, you can think back to last year with the turning off the TV's. And blocking out the noise, and the booing at Soldier Field. Is it that? I'm not sure. But if he's starting week one, that doesn't mean he's a starter all year. Because I want to say he's got a pretty decent record against Detroit. And I want to check these numbers real quick. Before I, read, before I get into that. But I want to say he's torn up Detroit, in a way. And also, the Lions just signed Adrian Peterson today. So that's fun. He's back in the NFC North. That's great. That's real great. Yeah, so here's how Mitch did last year against Detroit. He went 45 of 61 for 511 yards, 6 touchdowns and interception, 124.4 QBR and a 2-0 record. So that's two games against Detroit. So yeah, I could see Mitch starting against the Lions. That makes that makes sense to me. Cuz the Lions don't exactly have a good defense. And I know Jonah's listening, and he's a Lions fan, and he knows I'm right. But then the Bears get the Giants and the Falcons and the Colts. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be real fun watching this. Yeah, this is, this is what we want as Bears fans. We want to be, we, we be not confident in our quarterback. And the defense is going to be doing all the work again. Because that was the other problem last year. The defense spent a lot of time on the field. They spent too much time on the field. Which, yeah, that's not great. I mean, they have a, it's a great defense. And we saw that in 2018. We saw what this defense is capable of. And it doesn't help when they're on the field for a lot of the game. I had the stats feed loading, and it's not loading now. I'm a second week in a row, I'm here like Mike Francesa. Trying to look up stats right in the middle here and seem like I know what I'm talking about. And it just I don't know. I'm just I'm upset. And the opponents were on the field twenty nine minutes forty three seconds last year. The Bears' offense was on the field thirty and thirty minutes and sixteen seconds last year. So defense wasn't. You can't fully blame the defense being on the field too much, which I guess you can. But you're not gonna win a lot of games when you only get two hundred ninety seven total first downs versus opponents three hundred six. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But quarterback controversy, I don't think it's done. I think we're still going to be hearing about it all year. I think you're going to be hearing all year, okay, when's Foles coming in? When's Mitch going to get hurt? Or when is Mitch going to quote-unquote get hurt? And Foles is going to come in and save the day. But yeah, next week, noon, kickoff. Bears-Lions, Ford Field in Detroit. Football's coming back, barring any unforeseen changes. Because obviously, with COVID-19, everything changes by the day. And we've seen that with baseball. Where one day teams are playing, the next day someone tests positive, they're going to postpone the games. So right now we're looking at a noon kickoff next week. Bears-Lions. And I just had, let me get the betting odds up here because I'm curious what the betting odds are for that game. So the Bears' schedule goes Lions, then Giants, then Falcons, then Colts, then Buccaneers, which means, oh, great, Tom Brady's coming to town. And then the Carolina Panthers. That's Riverboat Round coaching that team. That's going to be fun. Betting odds, betting odds, because it's all about the betting odds lately. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Trust me. That's, that's, not, a, that's not me complaining. But I'm just, every, I know everyone's going to be curious about what's the spread, like how much, who's favored, what's the spread going to be. And the Lions are three-point favorite. Bears are a three-point dog. Probably take the Bears in that one. Not really sure. That one's kind of a stay away game, in my opinion. I wouldn't I wouldn't touch that game with a 10-foot pole. But if you were going to, maybe I'd probably take the Bears. But again, the Lions just got Adrian Peterson. Who I know he's not the Adrian Peterson he used to be. And Jonah just. <laughs> Jonah just messed me again saying Matt Prater's going to lead him to that minus three cover. Yeah. That's what we're looking at. The Bears win total for this year. Vegas is projecting eight and a half over under. I haven't done enough studying to decide whether or not I'd take the over or under. I'm going to save that for next week's show. Do a deep dive into the schedule and see, make some decisions here. Vegas is also picking the Bears to have the third-best odds to win the NFC North behind the Packers and the Vikings. So that's something to just keep an eye on as well. I want to remind you, you're listening to WWFM 88.7, normally broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, currently broadcasting from Dwight, Illinois. Obviously, I can't take calls, which I haven't been able to take calls the last few weeks because every show is remote. So if you have any thoughts or you want to chime in, tweet at me at seven. If you don't follow me, you should. I try to be funny. It's football season. My football takes are going to be outrageous. You can make fun of me. We're also some roster moves this week because, again, like I said, when I was setting up the show, it's cut season. And remember a couple weeks ago when the Bears signed another kicker? They brought back old friend Cairo Santos. And I was all kinds of confused, wondering why they're bringing in another, another quarterback. Or another kicker. I'm sorry, another kicker. <laughs> I've been talking quarterbacks for the last half hour. Cut me a break here. But when they brought in another kicker, I was really, really confused. Well, I was even more confused when I heard the Bears were going to cut Cairo Santos. And it wouldn't be so confusing if Eddie Pinero was healthy been dealing with a groin injury and was getting all set for the show this morning and i see this tweet from brad biggs over at the tribune which kind of sheds some light as to the decision Uh biggs, tweeted uh, the nfl's change in injured reserve rules this season allows an unlimited number of players to be designated to return they can be designated to return after only three weeks on ir for the bears that is a particular note with kicker eddie pinheiro who has a groin injury So, does that mean Pinheiro's healthy? That's what I want to know. And then, not even a minute before I'm on the air, Bigsy tweets the Bears are going to re-sign Santos to the practice squad. So they're not entirely getting rid of Cairo Santos then. But I I still want to know, is Eddie Pinero healthy? I mean, if he's got a groin injury, is he going to be able to come back for week one? Is he due to come back from week one? Is Santos going to be pulled up off the practice squad for week one? I can't believe I'm asking so many questions about a damn kicker. But, after the double doink incident a couple years ago, I'm a little concerned about the kicker position. And I'm still not entirely sold on Eddie Pinheiro. And that's just because, again, I still got that in the back of my head of Cody Parkey hitting the double doink. So, yeah, I'm going to be asking. I'm a little paranoid about the kicker situation. I'm going to be asking about it a lot. And I know Matt Nagy and both quarterbacks are supposed to meet the media today, I saw. So maybe we'll get some answers on Pinheiro from Nagy. But I I genuinely want to know is Eddie healthy? And judging by Santos coming on the practice squad, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure you necessarily want to carry two kickers on your big roster. I get it. Like, that, that makes sense. I'm that guy in fantasy football that drafts two kickers as a joke. Like, last year I drafted Pinheiro just for the meme, for the joke. But now I'm genuinely wondering, is he healthy or is Cairo Santos going to come in and kick? I just want an answer. Also, this morning, a couple hours before coming on the air, the Bears signed former Saints defensive end Mario Edwards. And this is this is a good signing because that's going to help replace Eddie Goldman because Eddie Goldman opted out this year because of COVID-19. So this is from uh, Pat Finley again over at the Sun-Times. Uh, Edwards is a former second-round draft pick of the Raiders in 2015 who's played for the Giants and Saints the last two years. With New Orleans last year, the 6'3", 280-pounder recorded three sacks. He hasn't started a game since 2017 when he did so 14 times for the Raiders. He was a rotation piece last year playing 28% of the Saints' snaps. He's only played more than a half a team's snaps once, and that was his rookie year. Edwards will provide depth and versatility on a Bears defensive line that lost Eddie Goldman when he opted out before training camp began. Akeem Hicks returned to a light practice Thursday after missing 13 days with a quad injury. And this is important because the Bears only kept five defensive linemen Saturday with the cuts. Uh, Akeem Hicks were Robertson Harris, Bilal Nichols, John Jenkins, and Brent Urban. And Finley wrote that left the possibility open, they'd hunt for one more piece. So that's just another note on the defensive side. I think that's a good thing. not Never a bad thing to have some depth especially with Eddie Goldman out this year. Might not hurt to have someone like Mario Edwards in the reserves. That's all I got for football. I'm always down to talk football though. If you want to chime in, shoot me a tweet. And I'll try to read them as best I can. Let's talk some baseball. Both teams in first place. White Sox half a game up on Cleveland. Cubs are two and a half games up on the Cardinals. It was four and a half games up on the Cardinals before yesterday when the Cubs dropped both games of a doubleheader, 4-2, 5-1. And I, David Kaplan on Twitter summed it up perfectly when he does this recap after every game. It's usually a video. Well, yesterday it was just emojis and it was a throwing up emoji because the Cubs looked bad. And I've said that a lot this year. For a first place team. It's just surprising that. You keep saying oh the Cubs look bad. They look bad. They're still in first place because the NL Central sucks this year. It's not a good division. I mean the Cubs are 23 and 17. That's a 575 winning percentage. That would not be in first place in any other division. You got to look at winning percentage this year because you've got teams like the Cardinals who are 16 and 15. And you got the Marlins who are 17 and 17. So you've got teams that haven't played the same amount of games as other teams. That said, the top 2 teams from each division make the playoffs this year. So that means even if the Cubs fall into second place, they'd still be making the playoffs, which I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think both teams in town are going to make the playoffs. But one stat that's kind of jumping out to me is how the Cubs are hitting with the bases loaded. I could get into scoring position, but the bases loaded one really is surprising. Again, it's the first place team. Don't care how bad the division is, it's first place team. So the Cubs have had... Five at-bats this year. With the bases loaded, nobody out. They've got one hit in those at-bats. And a 167 on base percentage. With one out and the bases loaded. they had 19 plate appearances, 14 at-bats. They've got three hits. That's three for 14. With two walks. Six strikeouts. That's a 214 batting average and a 263 on base percentage. Here's the really alarming one 29 plate appearances with the bases loaded and two outs. That's 28 at bats. The Cubs have a 179 batting average and 207 on base percentage. They have five hits with the bases loaded. And two out. To give you an idea, they have four hits combined when hitting with the bases loaded. There's no out or one out. Where is the clutch hitting? And it, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse because we asked this with Joe Madden too. This lineup is too talented to be five for 28 with the bases loaded and two out. It happened. A lot yesterday. I think it happened a couple times yesterday. Obviously a lot this year. But where is the clutch hitting? I I don't know where it went. This lineup's too talented. Obviously. I get it. It's four years after 2016. People keep saying, oh, you keep talking about 2016. Well, this lineup's still basically the same as 2016. Other than they don't have a leadoff hitter, which I think they might now. And Ian Happ, more on that in a second. But why can't they hit in the clutch? I mean, it's September 6th. Yes, the season has flown. It doesn't feel like September 6th, but it is. Gotta kick it into gear. You can't be dropping both ends of a double header like that. I know, it's a Little League tournament, as I call it. I keep saying Rob Manfred needs to buy both teams snow cones after the games because they're playing seven innings, and if they go to the eighth inning, they get the California tiebreaker feel like I'm watching 12-year-old Little League ball again. But that doesn't change the numbers. These numbers are not good. You know whose numbers are good, though? Ian Haps. I cannot believe I'm talking about how good Ian Haps' numbers are after a couple of years of talking about how bad he was. This year, my man's batting 310. In 39 games. Yeah, he's having a great year. People keep talking MVP, MVP. I'm not not sure on that one yet. I think that's a bit of an overreaction. Mainly because there's also a guy named Fernando Tatis Jr. in the National League. Former White Sox farmhand, by the way. But Ian Hatt's batting .310 this year. He's got 12 home runs. He's got a four eighteen on base percentage and a what is that a ten ninety three OPS? Is that how you is that how you say that? It's a one point zero nine three. We'll say ten ninety three, sure. But it, what I'm saying is that's good. And he stepped into the leadoff hitter spot just fine. And it was a little scary the other day when he fouled a ball off his eye. And it was a bruise, and it I I guess he scratched his cornea too. But he comes back and hits two home runs yesterday, I think he's fine. But he's keeping this team afloat. And I won't get into war, because I don't believe in war. It's a flawed stat. Look at the number look at the numbers I mentioned batting average on base percentage, OPS. And the twelve home runs. To put that in perspective for you, he's got twelve home runs in thirty nine games this year. He had 15 home runs in 142 games in 2018 and 11 home runs in 58 games last year. So Ian Haps found a stride. And I'd keep him in the leadoff spot because you don't want to mess with it. Yeah, You, you, don't, you don't mess with what he's got going right now. But who's fallen out of the leadoff spot is Chris Bryant. Who... While Ian Happ is having a career year, Chris Bryant is not having a career year. He's been on the injured list once or twice this year. So he's only played 20 games. He has two home runs. He's batting 173 with a 247 on base percentage. And what bugged me, and I know I'm not alone with this one because I heard it on the radio too, why is David Ross giving him a day off the day after like was it the day after his game back from the injury list he called it easing him in he didn't want to overwork it you're in the stretch run here I yeah I'm all for giving guys a break but that said he's back from the injury list he had time off Keep him in the lineup and see if he can figure this out. He needs to get into a rhythm. And this is David Ross, first year manager, so things things like that are going to happen. If this was Joe Madden doing this, who's managed for a while, I'd be even I'd be more ticked off than I am now. But one seventy three batting average from a former MVP—that's got to be better. And I'm being nice. Like, that that can't happen. And it feels like, I feel like he's not the only one. Actually, I know he's not the only one that's having a down year. Wilson Contreras is barely over 200 batting average. Anthony Rizzo has his moments, but he's not consistent. The only consistent one is Ian Happ, which is why he needs to stay in the leadoff spot, because he's setting the tone. Cubs and Cardinals have another doubleheader today, which means it's another Little League tournament. Yay! First pitch of the first game of the Twin Bill is 6 o'clock tonight. They at 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock at Wrigley Field. Now let's go to the other side of town, where the White Sox are rolling, baby. They're rolling. They have twenty five and fifteen record, won seven of their last ten, including three straight, and they're just beating up on the Kansas City Royals, and it's great. Did anyone else see Luis Robert's home run the other night? When he hit it, what, well, how far did he hit that? Four hundred sixty feet, something like that. That thing took off in a hurry, and if you go back and watch the highlight. I know the White Sox talk account from my guys at NBC Sports Chicago tweeted it. Adam Engel's reaction from the bench was basically my reaction watching it on TV. He destroyed that thing. And it's not the first time he's done that this year. If he's not the favorite for AL Rookie of the Year, I don't know who is. Because this guy we knew he was going to be great when he came When he came up. When he was coming through the system, get here, watch out for this Luis Robert guy. That's a big dude. He has 11 home runs this year, and he's batting .270. And he's just been absolute force. I watching that home run the other night, and last night he made a great defensive play. He can do it on both sides of the ball. And that's why I think he's got to be the Rookie of the Year frontrunner. I can't think of anyone else who might be in the American League. But yeah, Luis Robert, talk about jumping off the page. Wow. And here's continuing my reasoning for why Ricky Renteria isn't isn't the guy I keep saying Ricky Renneria ain't the guy he ain't it that's how I keep putting it to people when I when I work at the country club I see a lot of Sox fans and I always talk baseball I love talking baseball obviously and I always bring up that I don't think Ricky Renneria is necessarily the guy and I heard I heard the same point I was planning on talking about this anyway but I heard this on Cap'n J Hood on ESPN 1000 this week when I, was, when I caught a little bit of it at work. Jimmy Cordero has become to the White Sox what Steve Ciszek was to the Cubs. What I mean by that is he is constantly coming into games. He seems like the go-to to come in relief. This guy, he's young. He's 28. Okay, so he's not tw- he's not young unless he's 22, but he's 28 years old. And here's his pitching game log recently. Been pretty spaced out early in the year. But I'm looking specifically at last month, August. Because it's September already, which is crazy how fast this year has gone. Even though March felt like a year. But let's look at starting August 11th. Actually, we'll start with August 9th because he pitched there too. Cordero is pitched August 9th, August 11th, August 12th, August 15th. Did he come, did he come in both games of, those, of that doubleheader? I think he did. August 16th, August 20th, August 26th, 28th, 29th, 30th, September 1st, September 2nd, and September 5th. Granted, it hasn't been for, like, a long time, but he came in an inning and a third against St. Louis August 16th, two innings August 20th, one inning August 26th, two-thirds of an inning August 28th, one and one-third innings August 29th, two-thirds of an inning August 30th, one inning September 1st, one inning September 2nd. Why are you using him like that? Are you... Are you just not confident in your bullpen? Like, I, I mean, that's understandable if you're not confident in your bullpen. But Joe Madden did this with Steve Seashek. Every time the Cubs needed a relief pitcher, it seemed like Steve Seashek was the guy he called on. And it totally took Ciszek's arm away. Like, later in the year when he came in, he just wasn't effective. Or wasn't as effective. He was still effective because he got that weird arm slot. But when you get later in the year, when you start using him like that, using him like that, yeah, it's going to take a toll. And you're seeing it with Jimmy Cordero. And I, I've heard, i I've heard Jonathan Hood go off on a lot of topics. I've heard him mad. I haven't heard him more mad than I heard him when he was talking to Cap about the use of Jimmy Cordero. And like I said, I was planning on talking about it anyway, but they just gave me even more because they were, I mean, Jay Hood was just lighting up Ricky Renteria, and it proves my point. Been saying it for a year now. You can go back and listen to the podcast. I've been on the record on these airwaves. I'd say in this chair, but I was in the studio at the time. On these airwaves, I have been on the record saying, Ricky Renteria just ain't the guy. I mean, he was the perfect manager for the Cubs in 2014 during the rebuild. Because he could, he could plug and play. He could move things around and see what worked. But now, he's managing a first place team that's competing for a playoff spot. And hopefully competing to make a deep run in the playoffs. And this goes back to last year when Tim Anderson was batting ninth the hell are you doing batting Tim Anderson at the bottom of the order? He was the batting champion. Now all of a sudden this year he's at leadoff where he should be. He's getting smarter with the batting order. Because I do like Nick Madrigal batting ninth. Because that guy gets on base and sets it up for Tim. Because I, uh, this is one thing I agree with Joe Maddon on. The ninth spot is basically another leadoff hitter. Because yeah, Tim Anderson can set the tone for the game. But when you get down to the bottom of the order, you get a guy like Nick Madrigal who can hit it anywhere and get on base, that brings up Tim Anderson to keep doing more work, because Tim's a great hitter. But now Ricky's got to work on the bullpen management. And I guess he's one of those that just learns with experience. But you can't be learning with experience right now when you're half a game up on the Cleveland Indians and Minnesota Twins for first place in the division on September 6th. Now is not the time to be learning on the fly. It's go time. And like I said, I've been saying it for a year. I'm going to keep saying it. Ricky Renteria is just not the guy. It's just the way it is. And honestly, I haven't met too many people who disagree with me. Is Renteria going to be... Is he going to be out as manager and see someone else win a World Series with his roster? Probably. I think that's going to happen again. I feel bad for him. He's a nice guy. i talked to him. But on the field, he got to perform it. He's just not doing it. And using Jimmy Cordero like he is, just proving my point. Sox are back in action against the Royals today. Uh, what time is that game? You'd think I'd know this by now. White Sox Royals in Kansas City today. First pitch is one o five Central Time. I've got seven minutes left here. And I do want to talk about the Bulls because a lot of optimism around the Bulls right now. And especially after this report came out from Adrian Wojnarowski, this would have been, I believe, on Monday... Is that when this came out? Yeah, because it didn't come out Sunday because I'd have talked about it on the air. So this is Monday. Woad puts out this story on ESPN.com. Former Nets coach Kenny Atkinson, assistant still in postseason, or assistant still in postseason among candidates for Bulls vacancy, sources say. And he lists a lot of names. Uh, no permission was necessary for former Brooklyn Nets coach Kenny Atkinson to interview, but new executive vice president of basketball operations Arturis Karnashovas and general manager Mark Eversley are talking to several assistant coaches still involved in the playoffs, including Milwaukee's Darvin Ham, Denver's Wes Unsell Jr., and Miami's Dan Craig, sources said. Among the assistant coaches granted permission to talk to Chicago from eliminated teams, sources said. Dallas Mavericks assistant Jamal Mosley, 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 and Steven Silas, Philadelphia's Ame Udoka, and one candidate, Minnesota Associate Head Coach David Vanderpool, whose team didn't qualify for the restart. Bulls are also interviewing current assistant Chris Fleming and could also meet with assistant Roy Rogers, both remaining from former coach Jim Boyle and staff, sources said. I like that they're doing that. Because I respect Roy Rogers and Chris Fleming. Like, I think they need to interview them just out of protocol. I wouldn't say they're my top picks, but I'm glad they're interviewing them. You can look at the in-house candidates. But that's a lot of names. And interviews have started. And they even said no permission was necessary for Kenny Atkinson, which means they've interviewed Kenny Atkinson. Now, if you go back in in the podcast and listen to my conversation with Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago from a few weeks ago, we talked about this right after Jim Boylan was fired. We talked about our top choices to replace him. He said Kenny Atkinson, and I said Wes Unsell Jr. I still stand by that. I think Wes Unsell Jr. is the guy. But I would not be disappointed with Kenny Atkinson. I don't know if I'd be disappointed with any of these names. I'm not sure if Amiudoka is going to be available, but I'm glad they have permission to talk to him. Because Philadelphia got rid of their coach and Brett Brown, but that's a lot of names there, and I'm really excited about these. The fact that they got permission for all of these. Karna Shovas is doing work, and I can't. I I'm excited to see the coaching search unfold, which I can't believe I'm saying that. But this time they're actually doing a coaching search. When the Bulls fired Tom Thibodeau, they knew they were going to get Fred Hoiberg. When they fired Hoiberg, they knew they were going to promote Boylan and not give him an interim tag. Now they're doing a nationwide search. And they're looking at Kenny Atkinson, at Darvin Hamm, at Wes Umsell Jr., at Dan Craig, at Jamal Mosley, at Steven Silas, at Anu Yudoka, at David Vanderpool. I'm excited. And again, it'd be one thing if they didn't get permission to talk to these guys. But they're getting permission and that's great. Hopefully the Bulls become a destination. They become a destination job, and not a job that repulses people. Because I know that's been the stigma the last few years. But one team that's not looking for a coach anymore is Steve Nash. Or is the, is the Nets, who hired Steve Nash. <laughs> I seriously about fell over when I heard that Steve Nash was coaching the Nets. Like, you hadn't heard his name at all. I didn't even know he was in consideration for a coaching position, let alone going to get a four-year deal with the Nets to coach Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now, I'm not saying it's a stupid move. It's a high-risk move. But I'm not saying it's stupid, because Steve Nash is a great basketball mind. But my worry is... Are we going to get another Jason Kidd? Remember when Jason Kidd retired and everyone said he could be a great candidate for a head coach? He's a great mind, great leader. He could be the next great head coach. Then he kind of falters and now he's head assistant with the Lakers and looking for a head coaching job. I'm really glad the Bulls aren't looking at Jason Kidd. But could Steve Nash fall into that? Like, yeah, great player, great mind. But is he going to turn into another Jason Kidd in that he's not going to be an effective coach? That's my worry with this. And, I mean, the Nets are taking the gamble. And it it might not be a bad gamble. Maybe it'll pay off. Yeah, maybe it'll pay off, and he'll become the next head coach, or next great head coach. Who knows? But again, it's high risk. And I guess it could be high reward. Because maybe he could relate to Kyrie and KD. But I think what the Bulls are doing, looking at these, these assistant coaches, and especially Darvin Ham, Wes Unsell, Jamal Mosley, Aimee Udoka, those are big names. And they're rising stars in the coaching profession. And I still say, I think Wes Unsel, Wes Unsell Jr., should be the next Bulls head coach. And I think they need to take Denny Evdia in the draft. If they have that combination, it could be a really, really good Bulls team down the road. Not, not necessarily next year, but a couple years down the road, it's going to be an exciting time to be a Bulls fan. I'm out of time, so thank you for sticking with me for the full hour, even though I didn't have a guest, hoping to book... A Bears related guest next week. Stay tuned to my Twitter page for that. And until then, I will see you all back here next Sunday, same time. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. We got football next week. Yes, bitch is starting again. But I think it's going to be a fun season. So until then, thanks again for listening. Have a great week, everybody.